Blog Talk Radio. listening to the Burke Allen Show. We are on the Blog Talk Radio Network, podcasting and streaming live all over the known universe. If you'd like to be a part of the program, number to call is 718-508-9513. As we do this show from our palatial Washington, D.C. studios on this hot August summer day, it is the weekend before the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. And the uh, the musical intro you heard there is from our friend, uh, pianist, uh, pianist and keyboard extraordinaire, Bob Malone, who is a part of John Fogarty's band. And Bob will play with John Fogarty at Bethel Woods this Sunday uh, as, as Fogarty comes back uh, 50 years after uh, appearing with his band CCR at Woodstock. And another guy that uh, th- that knows of Woodstock and perhaps was or perhaps was not actually on the hallowed ground is our old friend, uh, retired FBI agent Jack Owens. Jack is a uh, an author of several fantastic books, including my favorite book title of all time, I think, Don't Shoot, We're Republicans. Uh, Jack, Jack joins us from Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, Jack, where were you when Woodstock happened? I wanted to go to Woodstock, but I, I didn't have a car. <laughs> I, I was finishing up law school. And I wasn't sure my car would make it. I, I had a 64 Volkswagen Bug that rarely had brakes. I once drove it across country without brakes, and uh, it's, it was really something to see in downshifting. I can only imagine. Well, that, that's one <laughs> way to get through that cross-country journey uh, quickly if you have no brakes. Yeah, so, Jack, I had to tie uh, my love to have you traffic on the show, and, and I want to – I, I want to ask you about a whole variety of things that, that relate to the FBI, but but before we get into the more serious stuff, I have to ask you about something in your bio that many people may not realize, and that is that after retiring from the FBI, where you were a career guy, and you mentioned you went to law school, so you've done some, some pretty important things in your life, you took an interesting left turn and wound up <laughs> as a contestant on the CBS TV reality show Big Brother, talk to me I, about that. How does how does one wake up and say this is what I want to do in retirement? Well, I did it, Burke, because I could. They were looking for Big Brother and CBS were looking for how shall I put it, a geezer for Big Brother Four. <laughs> they needed they needed an older guy, and I was fifty eight. At the time, this was 2004, and I auditioned in Birmingham and Atlanta and in Los Angeles. And what the heck? They picked me for the show. I was one of 13 cast members. I made it down to number five before I was evicted and outsmarted by the women in the house. Uh, see, well, that happens on occasion. What was <laughs> well, that experience like? I just loved it. It it was uh, the experience of a lifetime, really. I mean, as you and, and your listeners could imagine, being on TV in front of 7 million people three times a week, one of the shows was live, the eviction show, every week. And what the heck? The show's on right now. 
Big Brother 21. It's on right now. I just, my wife Pat and I just love the show, and I wanted to be on it, and and by golly, I was. And and what did the, your uh, fellow FBI agents have to say about that? I imagine there was a little good-natured ribbing that happened. <laughs> yes, I was mocked and harangued and laughed at, but uh, <laughs> they still watched the show. My former colleagues and they applauded and had fun with it as i did i mean if you can't turn down an opportunity to have that kind of fun after you've retired and i just thoroughly enjoyed it three months away from home that part was rough but it was in isolation and you know burke i told cbs you know what this is it's a three-month surveillance I've done lots of surveillances. You have to read people, decide when you're being lied to, and off you go. Jack Owens is our guest. If you're just joining us, he's a uh, retired FBI guy from the Birmingham, Alabama field office. And you can join in the conversation by calling 718-508-9513. I read also, Jack, and and this is what, what prompted me to have you on the program today, I read that in your 30-odd years of service to our country, and thank you for that, uh, with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, that in that entire time, you never fired your weapon in a criminal action. Is that right? That's correct, and I'm proud of that. The Bureau's training is such that um, we are in a – the midst of many agents during an arrest, we don't want to get anyone hurt, and we don't want to fire our weapons if need be. But consider this, Burke. The Bureau's firearms policy is if you're going to fire, and it must be rare, it must be lethal. We don't shoot cars. We don't shoot tires. We shoot people, or you don't take your gun out of your holster. I was on the SWAT team for 15 years, made scores of arrests, helped put down two major prison riots. I never had to fire my weapon. But better yet, as Churchill said, there's nothing more exhilarating than to be fired at without effect. And and nothing, no one fired at me, and nor did I fire at anyone else. I got my handcuffs out and put a stop to it. So, Jack, that's that's interesting in a, a whole variety of reasons, but certainly the, the reason that it brings you to the program today is this continuing rash of gun violence and mass shootings. You know, as we do the show live today, and, and many folks will listen to it as a podcast later, the country is still reeling from a weekend of mass shootings at the El Paso Walmart and in the uh, the nightclub district there in Dayton, Ohio, just today in the news, uh, the FBI raided an Ohio teenager's home uh, after he made some online threats that they were monitoring, and, and they recovered uh, over 10,000 rounds of ammunition and 15 assault rifles. That's, that's just today. It seems there's a never-ending drip of these stories, and it's it's becoming the new normal, but of course... It shouldn't be the new normal. So uh, in, in a broad sense, and then we'll drill it down a little bit, as a retired FBI guy who, who dealt with bad guys for a lot of years, what are your thoughts on, on gun ownership in America and 
how we can get a handle on this damn thing. These shootings of uh, defenseless civilians with military-style weapons, these shootings are appalling and, and a terrible scourge on our country. I would vote, have my representatives vote for a ban on assault weapons. We had one in effect for 10 years. No one needs these weapons for hunting. It's just, they just exist to kill people. And we should ban them. They're going to continue. We don't know when they're going to happen. My job as an FBI agent on a SWAT team and developing informants and assets was to find, try to find and that lone wolf, that single person who's disturbed beyond belief, who is planning something like this. And when the plans are made in a single mind, like the recent shooters, it's hard to prevent these, these shootings. The police do a wonderful job combating these situations. They arrive first, and they stay, and they act with effect. The FBI initially is rarely involved in these shootings. It, in my opinion, after 30 years on the street, and I never took a desk job, the police, our local and state police, have the toughest job in the world. They are there for us. They go in, into situations where the rest of us are leaving, and then and, and they do it with professionalism. They do it with great care. And I hate, I hate to see the job of law enforcement made so much more difficult by the existence of assault weapons. There was one situation during my career where we got agents got outgunned in Miami uh, after a bank robbery. Two agents were killed and uh, several seriously wounded. Finally, a wounded agent killed the uh, perpetrator. I, I feel for police. I feel for our civilian population. They're going to rely on police to stop this. It's very tough, though, Bert. Very tough with one guy to stop it, the lone wolf. Our guest is Jack Owens. He's a 30-year veteran of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, based in the Birmingham field office, served on the SWAT team there. We're talking about gun violence in America. You recommend banning uh, assault weapons, uh, and, and I do want to ask you about that, but I, I want to get a point of delineation from something you just said that I think most of uh, us rank-and-file citizens may not be aware of. You, you talked about how the local police officers are sort of the front line of defense. When does it transition from becoming a, a local police matter to an FBI matter? When, when uh, do the feds come in on things? Generally, it's crossing of state lines that will bring a federal statute and a, bed, a federal presence into effect. For example, in my career, I worked the uh, serial killer Wayne Williams, the Atlanta child murderer, who over two years killed several dozen young black teenagers in Atlanta, terrorized the place. The FBI entered that case, even though, Burke, it was a local matter, we came in at the request of two presidents, Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan. And once we got in, we used 
what local police had done so very well and expertly. We took a look at their crime scene evidence. We had our uh, profilers develop a profile that turned out to be exactly right, almost a replica of the shooter, Wayne Williams. And I was there surveilling a bridge over the Chattahoochee River in 1981 when we caught Wayne Williams. He dumped a body in the river. We saw him do it. We pulled him over and we got him, and he's still in prison. He's doing life with no parole. That was a good operation brought on by police working with federal authorities. It was a horrible, horrible case, and uh, and kudos to you and, and the Atlanta police and the FBI for, for bringing that guy to justice. So, so let's talk about the assault weapons then. You say ban them, get them off the street, and uh, – as you, I'm sure, are aware, the the gun lobby, which is every bit of 15 minutes down the street from our office uh, at the NRA, will say, well, geez, if, if you ban these things, you're taking them away from the good guys, and then only the bad guys are going to have them, and they're going to outarm the good guys. What's your response to that? I agree with uh, Justice Scalia in a major case where he wrote the majority opinion saying that Americans – have the right to own handguns. I agree with him in his aside, if I could put it that way, in the majority opinion, that the Second Amendment does not cover and protect the ownership of assault weapons. It was the word he used. We know what an assault weapon looks like. Justice have said we know what pornography looks like when we see it, and we, citizens with common sense, we know an assault weapon when we see it, Burke, and what do these shootings have in common? Assault weapons. That's a clue. We need our legislators to act and act quickly. How do you get them away from the bad guys? You mentioned the you know lots of these are, are these sort of lone wolf issues, and uh, the president and others, in all fairness, have talked about this being a mental health issue. So, so how do local police or the FBI get in front of this and, and get them away from the bad guys? Um, thank God for our Constitution. We just don't run uh, – we in law enforcement, we don't run roughshod over our citizens. The Second Amendment guarantees certain rights regarding firearms. For me, Burke, throughout my 30 years, I strove to develop assets – informants, ears in the community. I tried to hear things before they erupted into violence so we could bring arrests to bear, whether I used local and state police or it was just an FBI matter. That's the key in the FBI world. And we learned that the first day of new agents training when we come aboard. You must have the pulse and cooperation of the citizens of the United States. And when you develop what we call a friend of the Bureau, we want to go back to that friend, perhaps go back or maybe never go back, for information about what's going on in the community that might involve or lead to violence. And I I did that my whole career, and I had... Sometimes I had more informants at Klan meetings, Aryan Nation meetings, the militia meetings, 
I had more informants there than they had members. I prided myself on that. We take, we took their pulse, and we we watched them. But we can't act until something happens that would result in an arrest. Some, some law or statute was violated. Jack, I just flew in uh, day before yesterday from Las Vegas. I was out there in, in business. I used to live and work in, in that great city. Um, and as I, I drove to Las Vegas International Airport, McCarran, uh, I drove right by the, the scene of the worst mass shooting, I believe, in, in this country's history, certainly recent history, right across yeah. the street from the Mandalay Bay Hotel where that, yeah. that country music festival was going on. And, and I knew people who were on the scene that day, uh, former co-workers. That story about that gentleman seems to have have gone cold. There doesn't seem to be any real information as to why that shooter did what he did. There was, uh, nothing has really come out in the public, and it, it sort of went away. And, and as people are wont to do, you know, the news cycle moves on, and, and there's sadly been, you know, many more mass shootings since then. When, when you don't hear about something like that, does that mean that, that law enforcement is done with it, that the FBI has given up, or, or what does that mean? Because I, I think a lot of people would love to know why this guy did what he did. I would never let that go, that Las Vegas situation. I would want, after the fact, to develop assets and informants around that guy in, or in the community just to see if he had friends who were like-minded. I, I think I know the key to stopping this is to get in front of it and make an arrest before it happens. But that is so tough. Our guarantees by the Constitution are the wonder of the world. Everyone wants to have the freedom that American citizens have. But by golly, you don't have the freedom to go buy an assault weapon and then kill scores of your fellow citizens. we got to put a stop to it. The fact that we're not hearing anything is troubling, that we don't go back and demand that we take a look at these horrible situations every day, make them right in front of our eyes so we don't forget. But we have to rely on the professionals in law enforcement to protect us. We have to rely on them being able to do their job and them, and them not facing assault weapons where they're outgunned. Jack Owens is our guest today. He's a retired FBI agent and the author of many incredible books that we're going to talk about before we wrap up. Jack, though, we mentioned earlier in the program today this raid that just happened, this FBI raid on this teenager's house in Ohio where they recovered over 10,000 rounds of ammo, 15 uh, assault rifles. And the tip-off on this came because this guy was making uh, online threats. And I have often wondered how the FBI and, and other law enforcement agencies can wrap their arms around what is now an enormous amount of information that's out there and, and sift through it all so that things don't fall through the cracks. It worked this time. They caught this guy before he, he could cause problems. But how do you go through all of that information and boil it down to the real actionable stuff that you need to do to keep Americans safe? You have to have a keen sense, Burke, for what's relevant and what isn't relevant, 
whether a guy, say a lone wolf, fits a profile we've seen before involved in these shootings and what perhaps has published some kind of manifesto. You know, online is good. Online is bad. The same with social media. The Bureau monitors, to a certain extent, uh, information that is alarming that pops up in the public venue via the uh, social media way. And that I didn't face, didn't have that, or had to face it. When I was an agent, I read Retired in 1999, uh, before 9-11, before the explosion of social media in this country. Burke, I, I saw a movie with my wife, a great movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, over the weekend. And I'm sitting about halfway up, my, my wife and I. We looked down. Down near the front, four people had their cell phones on during this great movie. I mean, what is going through their heads? What are they thinking? What's so important about it? But if certain people who are prone to violence, who might commit violence, if they dwell on social media, chances are someone's going to pick up with it. And chances are, we hope, they'll, they'll come to us. The thing I coveted in my career more than anything was the trust of the American people. And uh, I'm happy to say we had it during my 30 years. Jack Owens is our guest today. Uh, we're talking about the the rash of gun violence and his perspective as a longtime FBI agent, former SWAT team member for the FBI, as to, to what to do. So, Jack, you say ban the assault weapons, get them out of the community. Um, but there is no, uh, and pardon the, the pun here, there is no magic bullet. There is no one thing that needs to happen. Do you think that banning assault weapons, though, is is a good, solid first step, an actionable step? I, I do. Actionable step is is uh, w- well put, Bert. I think it's a step. We can't let perfect destroy the good. If, if banning assault weapons saves one life, I mean, it's worth it. These weapons are not for hunting. They're not for hunting. And never have been. And the men and women who have served us in our armed forces who can't, who come home from a war zone occasionally, and it saddens me just to read this and hear of it, some of our former warriors come home and are killed on the streets of America after surviving Iraq and Afghanistan. It just makes me sick, really. We've got to we've got to do better. And I know that banning an assault weapon is not going to stop all of it. But suppose it stops one guy from killing our fellow citizens. That that's worth it, I think. I, I recommend that. It's by banning assault weapons. Our guest is Jack Owens. And Jack, uh, one text question that came into us on our, our messaging system. And and that question is, and, and I'm going to paraphrase here, uh, how much does the rhetoric from the president uh, inflame these people? And I, 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 I would assume he's talking about President Trump and, and what sometimes he, he, he says these things. And, and, and in the case of the El Paso shooter, you know, it, it, there was a pretty direct uh, correlation between 
what that guy espoused and, and what the president said. So, so do you think there is a link, and, and is there any culpability there from the White House? I personally believe, as a fellow citizen and a civilian, that there is a link. I think his rhetoric is deplorable, usually in the form of tweets. And he has millions and millions of followers. I don't think we've had a case yet by a perpetrator that said, you know, I killed all these people because President Trump said it's okay or I was led to believe he thought it was okay, or I think he's a racist or whatever. You know, the FBI is not political. We here are here to serve the American people. President Trump's tweets are deplorable. He should stop it. Fair enough. Jack Owens, our guest today. Jack, we've got a few minutes left. I want to talk about your writing career. So you were, <laughs> you were in law school. You decided uh, rather than, than – uh, be an attorney and wear a suit every day. You'd rather wear the badge of the FBI served our yes. country for 30 years there. A- at what point did you say, you know, uh, here's my second act. I think I want to be an author. <laughs> I, I always, I say always, in my adult years, beginning in my 20s, I loved books because of my mother and her pursuit of reading the more I read, the more I wanted to write. And I wanted to write well and, and write something interesting. And the FBI gave me a mountain of information that I think is interesting, and I think the public believes it's it's things they like to read about. And I was fortunate in that to be an agent, to get all this material, much of it satirical and dark comedy, involving dark comedy, much of it that I could use later in my writing. My memoir, as you said, and I thank you, is called Don't Shoot, We're Republicans. That was a confrontation to handcuff a bad guy which, in rural Alabama at night, which we won, by the way. In law enforcement, you can't afford to lose or tie. You have to win. We won that, but, sure. but behind the bad guy was a car which puzzled us, was right on his bumper. So we rushed the car with shotguns, threw open the door, and the dome light came on, and there were two ladies, elderly civilians, dressed to the nines. And one of them threw up her hands and said, don't shoot, we're Republicans. And I I filed (laughs) that away, so grateful, Burke. I had seven agents with me, there were eight of us. The eight of us still laugh about that but I, I i have with a law degree in hand i was going to practice law in the navy and then the bureau came calling and it sounded so interesting i wanted to try it my fellow law school classmates have uh, digged at me for years saying jack quit that government job come practice law work four days a week and make all the money you want and i tell them this you guys and ladies have never been in the top of a tree in Anniston, Alabama, on New Year's Eve in a rainstorm with a leaking poncho to arrest a bad guy. None of you have ever, who practice law, have ever had that kind of fun. I have that kind of fun all the time. I'm not leaving the Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, and you write about what you know about. You also did a, a, a fictional account of uh, – of, of Ken, the Kennedy assassination, but I'm uh, yes. most interested in 
these these two serial killer books that you've written, uh, yes. the POC books, I'll call them. And we got about yes. 60 seconds. Tell our listeners about those books. Uh, Pac is an unusual serial killer. He's, a, he's from Alabama. He's an intellectual. He, he is uh, horribly deformed in the, or disfigured in the face, and he's uh, got a handicap, uh, a disability, a shorter right leg and a club foot. He uses the club foot to kill people sometimes, but I'm writing the third of the trilogy. I'm halfway through it. I'm, I'm, I wrote this morning. Burke, and it, it just comes to me, and i got to get it out of my system. I have to write. Not to write is a bad day for me. And uh, Jack's books are available at jackowensbooks.com, jackowensbooks.com, also Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and uh, you know bookstores all across the country. Uh, Jack, before we wrap up, uh, one last uh, question on, on the, the whole gun violence issue, and that is if you – could get the ear of of Congress and the president right now. What what would you tell him? What would you say? What is the step one? I, I would tell the president to cool his rhetoric, and I would have Congress enact the assault ban that we had for ten years. Uh, I, I am for capital punishment. I am not for capital punishment because it deters crime. It doesn't. The states who have capital punishment have high murder rates. These people on the street that law enforcement, but particularly our men and women in police blue, they have to confront people, bad people who are armed to the hilt, and we can't lose law enforcement. We just can't lose them that way. They, we have too much regard for them and what they do for us. And you know that Vegas shooting? I would have been there with my grandchildren to see that country music concert. I would have been there. Might might have put everyone in my family at risk. It just makes me shudder. Jack Owens, our guest today. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. Thank you for listening. Wherever you are, whatever you do, go out and make it a great day. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Bert.